Our reading is from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. That's Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Keep Acts in front of you and let's pray as we come to God's word this morning. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that yours are the words of eternal life. Please help us to listen to you, speak to us this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you can think back to a few weeks ago, I asked you to think about the person or the people who first told you about Jesus. It might have been a friend, it might have been a parent, a colleague, a stranger. Whoever it was, those of us who are Christians, I'm sure, can remember the person or people that first told us about Jesus. And this morning, as well as the people, I want you to think for a minute about the, the circumstances, the events that came together and ended up in you trusting Jesus. Maybe it was a party you went to. Maybe it was a person you sat next to, a, a class you took, a job you applied for. As we look back at our life, we can see how God has worked through the seemingly random, sometimes surprising, and often day-to-day -day events in order to bring us to himself. 
We might not always realize it at the time, but God is always working to ensure that people hear about and believe in Jesus. We can see that as we look back at our own lives and think about it, and we can see it in our passage this morning. As we've gone through the book of Acts, we've seen God's sovereign hand at work to bring people to know himself. And so far, we've seen that happening on a really big scale. As the gospel is preached, thousands have believed, and the church has grown and spread rapidly. But as we come to the end of chapter 8 and into the chapter 9 next week, it's as though the camera zooms in. Luke, the author, now stops focusing on the crowds and instead focuses on, on two individuals, an Ethiopian official and a religious teacher. The camera zooms in and we can see God at work in the lives of these two men. And we can see that God's kingdom spreads one person at a time. And today we're going to focus on this Ethiopian official. And so first we get to see the encounter. We see the encounter, God at work. Last week we started to hear about Philip, the man who took the gospel out of Jerusalem and into Samaria. And we saw, didn't we, that Philip's preaching ministry was powerful and it was effective. Many people in the region of Samaria were converted as they heard the good news from Philip. They stopped following Simon the sorcerer and started following Jesus the Messiah. And at the start of chapter 8, Philip's preaching ministry is going well. Which is why he might have been a little bit surprised when an angel turns up and gives him some instructions in verse 26. Just look there. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now aside from the shock of meeting an angel, you can imagine that Philip might have been a bit confused about what he was being asked to do. Ministry in the big city is going well. People are being converted. The church is growing. But then he's asked to leave all of that behind and head out onto the desert road. The desert, where there's no one. It doesn't seem a particularly strategic move for the gospel from God, does it? But Philip obeys, and so he starts out on the road. And then he quickly discovers that he's not the only person making the journey that day. Verse 27, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch, a high-ranking official traveling in his chariot along the road. Luke tells us this is an important man and that he's on his way back from worshipping at the temple in Jerusalem. In other words, this is not a Jew, but he is a God-fearer, someone attracted to the Jewish religion, attracted to the, the God that they worship. And we're going to come back to the Ethiopian man and look at him in a bit more detail later on. But at this point, I think Luke simply wants us to see that, well, that this isn't a chance encounter. He wants us to see that God has arranged these events so that these two people will meet. It's the Lord, isn't it, who speaks to and directs Philip onto that road. 
It's the Lord who has clearly been working in the Ethiopian's life as he worships in the temple in Jerusalem. And then in verse 29, if you look there, it's the the Spirit of the Lord who prompts Philip to go and stand near the Ethiopian's chariot, to hang out there just as this guy happens to be reading the Bible out loud to himself. And so you can see, can't you, that, that God is at work arranging the events, the circumstances of this meeting. And as we're going to see, he does that so that another outsider can hear and believe the gospel and so be brought into God's kingdom. And the really great thing is that God continues to work in just this same way today. Again, think about it. Think about the the circumstances that came together for you to hear and believe the gospel. The people, the events, the situations that could not have happened otherwise. That could not have happened if it weren't for a sovereign God at work in his world. And then if you, you really want your mind blown, think about how God does that for billions of people throughout history and across the world. At work, bringing people together to hear the gospel. The Apostle Paul will say later on in the book of Acts that the God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, And here's the key, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. You see, God is sovereign in the times, the locations, the events of people's lives in order to bring them to himself. Which means it is no accident that you know the people you know. It's no accident that they're in your life. They need the gospel. You know the gospel. God wants them to hear the gospel. And so you have been brought together. And knowing that, well, it should give us great hope, shouldn't it? It should give us great confidence as we seek to share the gospel with others. At the members meeting last Tuesday evening, we began to think about opportunities to share the gospel this Christmas. And I know myself, and I think it would be really easy for all of us to think, well, this year is just a bit hopeless, isn't it? We can't do our, our normal events in the normal way, so Christmas is a bit of a write-off. But that would be to lose sight of the fact that all things, including COVID, are within God's sovereign power. And his purpose is to work through these particular circumstances in order to bring people to faith in Christ. And so nothing that happens this Christmas is random. Nothing is a mistake or outside of God's control. And that means we can pray expectantly this year. We can ask that God would make make us open to his leading, to the leading of his spirit. We can ask that 
He would make us sensitive to the the people and the places that he is calling us to so that we can speak about Jesus. And it's speaking about Jesus that that leads us to the next thing that we're going to see in our passage. We've seen the encounter. Next we get to see the message that Jesus is central. You see, understanding that God is sovereign in evangelism, that, that he controls all things, it can sometimes cause people to think that that means there's nothing really left for us to do. If God is the one who works to bring people to himself, well then it doesn't really matter whether I speak or not. Well, we can be tempted to think like that, but that isn't Philip's response, is it? You see, having been drawn by the Spirit, Philip overhears this Ethiopian man reading the Bible to himself. And then in verse 30, he seizes the opportunity to speak to this man. Do you understand what you're reading? He asks. It's a a simple question. It's not confrontational. He doesn't jump in front of the chariot and start battering the guy with the gospel. No, he asks a simple question. And he gets a great response. Verse 31, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? It's the kind of response that that any of us would love to hear, isn't it? Um, I'm having a little bit of trouble understanding the Bible. Would you mind helping me out? Here's a man who, who needs help understanding the Scriptures and specifically understanding Isaiah 53. One of the clearest Old Testament references to the Lord Jesus you could possibly find. And so it's a brilliant opportunity. And unsurprisingly, Philip grabs it with both hands. He, he jumps on board the chariot and together these two men open up the Bible. Verse 32, this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? What is this about? says the Ethiopian. Who is this poor person that is suffering? Who is the man humiliated, the man who experiences injustice, pain, even death? Who who is he? Is he the prophet or or is he someone else? The Ethiopian is understandably puzzled. He's confused about this person. And then we read in verse 35 that Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, sadly, we don't get to hear the details of the conversation. I'd love to have been just on the chariot next door to listen in, but we can imagine the sort of things that Philip might have said. We can imagine that Philip explained that that Jesus was the one Isaiah the prophet spoke of. Jesus is the one who experienced injustice, pain, humiliation at the hands of his enemies. Jesus is the suffering servant, the one who went silently without protest to his own death. And we can imagine, can't we, that that as the Ethiopian heard this, he, he wondered why. Why would God's servant suffer this way? 
And maybe Philip rolled back the scroll to the verses just before. Verses that showed how Jesus died to deal with the rebellion, our rebellion against God, with our sin. That Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. That he was crushed for our iniquity. That he was cut off so that we could be brought in. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. He faced death so that we could have life. And then having shown this guy what, what Jesus achieved, what his death achieved, maybe, maybe Philip rolled the scroll forwards to the verses that speak of his resurrection, Jesus' vindication. That though it was the Lord's will to crush Jesus, God would raise him to new and glorious life. And in, dem- in doing so, demonstrate that, that Jesus really is God's chosen one. That his death did the job. It, it paid the price of our sin. Now that may or may not have been how the conversation went, but, but the point is there for us in verse 35, isn't it? Beginning with that very passage of Scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. In other words, through the Spirit's leading and a simple question and the Word of God, Philip pointed this man to Christ. And that makes Philip a great example for us today. You see, people today are, are increasingly confused. They're puzzled about what, or, or better, who the Bible is all about. Just like Simon the sorcerer last week, some people think it's all to do with power. Christianity, the church, the Bible, it's all to do with control, power, influence. Others are, are more like the religious leaders back in chapter 7. They think it's all to do with a place. The Bible says you just need to go to church and keep the rules. That's all that God wants from you. Now, people have all sorts of confused ideas about the Bible. And so just like Philip, it is our job to show them that it's not about power. It's not about a place. It's about a person. It's the reason we talk so much about resources like Word One to One at CEC. Because that's a simple tool that helps us to open up the Bible and show people Jesus. And so you see, in this sense, evangelism is really simple. You don't need to be an expert historian or a scientist. You don't need to have a theology PhD or be giving TED Talks every week. No, you simply need to rely on the Spirit, open up the Scriptures... And point to the Saviour. You need to rely on the Spirit. Open up the Scriptures. And point to the Saviour. Evangelism is simple. But it's also scary, isn't it? Acts has shown us that we can expect opposition. Even persecution for doing just this. For speaking about Jesus. And our own experience probably means that we at least worry about the awkward silence or or the cold shoulder when we ask about reading the Bible with someone. Which is why we mustn't forget what we thought about in the first point. That God is sovereign. 
that he has placed the people in our lives so that they can hear about Jesus. That's why they're there. He doesn't ask us to, to predict or to control the outcome. He doesn't ask us to persuade people with our amazing personality or our eloquence. No, God simply asks us to trust him, to know that he is in control. And then as the evangelist Rico Tice puts it, to to cross the pain line and to speak about Jesus. It's what Philip does here and it's what we are called to do today. But Philip isn't the only model for us in this passage. You see, there might be some people listening this morning that are still not convinced. Maybe you're watching it and you're just a bit unsure. You've still got loads of questions about all this Bible Jesus stuff. If that's you, then, well, then I think it's the Ethiopian that you need to focus on. And we're going to look briefly at him as we close. We've already seen, haven't we, that this Ethiopian man is a high-ranking official in the Ethiopian government. Uh, he's high-ranking and he's God-fearing. And at the end of verse 27, we're, found that, we're told he's found worshipping in a temple in Jerusalem. That's where he's been. However, his trip to Jerusalem would have made it clear that, well, that he wasn't a proper member of God's people. You see, eunuchs like him, foreigners like him, were prevented from being part of the main assembly in the temple. And so just like the Samaritans last week, here is a man restricted to the very edges of Judaism. However, that restriction doesn't seem to prevent him from wanting to worship Israel's God. Maybe he had read in his Isaiah scroll earlier, chapter 56, where it talks about a day when God would gather all types of people to himself. A day when foreigners and eunuchs and strangers and outsiders would know the joy of being included in God's people. Maybe he'd read those verses and he longed for that day. But he wondered, how would it be possible? How could a man like him, an outsider like him, ever be brought into God's people. And so you can imagine, can't you, this this important man, this well-respected man, deeply troubled by his questions about God. Until the day that he meets this scruffy-looking bloke running alongside his chariot, shouting up at him whether he wants any help reading his Bible today. And it would have been so easy for Philip, just, uh, for the man to look at Philip and, and just dismiss him. It's so easy to say, no, no, not today, thank you. I'm not interested in what you're selling. No, thank you. Go away. He could have dismissed Philip. But he would have carried on in his hopeless situation. That's not what he does, is it? He might have been a top man in the Ethiopian government, but in humility, he doesn't mind asking for help. He's willing to admit that he doesn't understand and that maybe this guy, Philip, does. And again, I think we can learn from this kind of attitude. You see, we live in a culture that tells us to present ourselves as knowing all the answers, 
having an opinion on everything. Social media encourages us to make definite, bold statements on things we often know very little about. It encourages us to be unwilling to admit that perhaps there are some things that we, we just don't know or we don't fully understand yet. But it's that kind of attitude that can prevent us from or from finding the answers that we so desperately need, the, the answers we deep down long for. Which means we must try really hard not to let our culture or our pride prevent us from asking about Jesus. Don't let those things stop you from knowing and experiencing the life that he offers. The joy that comes from knowing him. That's what the Ethiopian did. He asked and he received. Having heard about Jesus, we read in verse 36 that as they travelled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This Ethiopian man had the humility to ask for help. And the result was he, he came to believe in Jesus. He, he knew the joy of knowing Jesus. He discovered the hope that Isaiah promised could be found in this man, in the suffering servant of God. He found that all the answers to all his questions were found in the one who gave his life so that outsiders like him could be brought in. And so he believed. He believed and he was baptised and filled with joy as he was welcomed into God's family for all eternity. And so as we close, let me say, if you are someone who still has questions, if you're wondering at the moment where true hope, where true joy can be found, then be like the Ethiopian. Ask for help. Get in touch with us. Speak to a friend. We'd love to open up the Bible with you. We'd love to talk about Jesus with you. We'd love to show you the one who gave his life so that you could be welcomed in. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you this morning for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he is the one in whom all our longings, all our hopes, all our dreams can be, can be answered, can be found. But thank you that he is the one that gives us life. And our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that that life is open and offered to all, whatever our background, whatever our culture, wherever we're from, whatever we've done. Whoever we are, we can come to Jesus and he will give us life as we trust in him. Father, please help us to do that today. We pray and we ask it in his name. Amen. It was through Isaiah 53 that Philip brought this man to know Jesus. 
And our next song is all about that amazing chapter. So the band are going to lead us as we sing, See Jesus Stripped of Majesty. <laughs>